listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org. So, I'm going to make you a little mad today, so just bear that in mind as we walk through the scripture together. Um, So, he makes a statement in 5.15, therefore, watch how you walk. Now, he bases that on what he talked about last week, which was people without Christ live in darkness. And that part of our job is to live in light so that we expose their darkness. That was what's in the previous text. Doesn't mean we're jerks, doesn't mean we're mean, doesn't mean we go nuts on them. But it does mean that the way we live from our lips and our life, that we expose who they are. When we pray for you're the one and these people that we're praying for, our lips and our life have to back up what's going on. And so we need to expose that darkness. Now here's what he says then. So therefore, in other words, because we need to expose that darkness, see to how you walk and not as unwise but as wise. I, it's a little embarrassing where we are, but we, most churches that I know today are not living out 15. Virtually every pastor I talk to, I mean literally, almost every pastor, there's no fight in the church over whether or not the Scripture's true. There's no battle over whether or not the blood of Jesus is a payment for your sin. There's no battle over whether or not the church is an institution that can't be defeated. There's no battle over whether or not Jesus is coming back. Now, I'm not trying to be political here. I don't care anything about politics in one sense, so that's not where I'm going. But I'm telling you, it is absurd. And we do not walk as wise people. When we fight over everything every pastor is telling me, it's not over the stuff that matters. We fight over masks and vaccine. Neither one of those is in here. Okay? They're not. And if you think they are, you need another Bible because yours is not working. They're not in there. Now, Want to wear a mask? Fine. You don't want to wear a mask? Fine. You want to be vaccinated? Fine. You don't want to be fine. That really, since it's not in here, if it's not in here, that is a personal choice between you and the Holy Spirit in your life. I don't get to make that. Nobody else gets to make that. You make that. The Bible doesn't speak to it. I had a lady, a young lady, send me an email from my former church and said, Brother Christie, you know of any verse that I can use to keep from being vaccinated? There isn't a verse on that. So when we fight over masks and vaccines, we are not walking as wise people. And we are not exposing darkness because we're walking where they're walking. We need to be better. So he says, I don't want you to think, I want you to think carefully how you walk. Why? Because we've got to expose darkness. So here's what he says. I want you to walk not as unwise but is wise and there's what he says verse 16 redeeming the time because the days are evil now that may be one of my top five most misinterpreted verses in the entire word of God I don't know how many times I've had people say to me and it's generally this kind of person that says it to me 
It's the kind of person who believes you've got to fold the towels in a certain way to get them in the cabinet. And if you don't fold them that way, they won't go in the cabinet. And I'm telling you, you call me, I can come to your house and get the same number of tiles in that cabinet whether they're folded or not. Because there are all these people that's got a place for everything and everything in its place. And that's fine if that's you, that's great, nothing wrong with that. And so I've had people come to me out of that kind of personality and say, you know, Brother Chris, we need to redeem the time. And that means at 7 o'clock I need to be here, 8 o'clock here, 9 o'clock here. That is not what this is saying. It's not about time management. It might be if the Greek word here were chronos, but the Greek word here is kairos, which literally means I want you to redeem the moment that God has given you. Now be clear. Psalm 139 says a couple of things, but two things it says is that God's knit us in the womb for a certain purpose and that the number of days that we have to live out that purpose are set. So when he says redeem the time, it's not time management. The idea is that I've got to expose through my lifestyle and through my lips the darkness so that lost people understand where they are. I'm going to do that if I live wisely, and I want to live wisely in a way so that the time I have with those people that do not know Jesus Christ will be redeemed correctly. Let me tell you something. I think when you and I die and we stand before Christ, we are going to be stunned at how many people God sovereignly brought into our life to expose their darkness so they'd come to Christ that we had no idea. So we have a limited amount of time. And so what we want to do is redeem that by walking well. Why? Because the days are evil. Now, he wrote that 2,000 years ago. Do you have many children? We've aborted since Roe v. Wade. Do you know how many? Sixty-two million that we have aborted since Roe v. Wade. And do not think there's not a consequence to that. Because if inside that 62 million was the person God ordained to be able to cure cancer. It's why we still fight it today because we took the life of that individual. The days are evil. So our job is to redeem the time because these people are walking in darkness. They have no idea. One great truth we give to them is, listen, if you have aborted a child, the blood of Jesus Christ will forgive you no matter what you've done. So we're going to redeem the time because the days are evil. Now, how do we do that? Look at what he says. Because of this, do not become foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, what's his real will for us? I would encourage you to go home, read Solomon's prayer in 1 Kings when he prays over the temple, when he dedicates the temple. It's an interesting prayer. Primary part of the prayer is about Israel. He says, God, bless us. When we call to you, answer our prayers. If we've sinned, forgive us, restore us. But God, honor us and bless us because we're your children. And then at the end, he makes this statement. He says, and Lord, people 
that do not belong to you, when they hear how you have blessed us and thus see your glory, when they come to you, receive them, honor them, and bless them as well. That's his will. His will is that we live in a way that we take the darkness these people are walking in, we walk wisely, we redeem the time because the days are evil, and we do it so that we can expose their darkness so they can see that our marriages work, that our parenting works, that we're a better employee, we're a better employer, that the way we treat people at restaurants, whatever it is that we are different and we offer something they do not have but it is better than what they do have so we're going to redeem the time now how do you live out his will now we're going to cover a little ground here matter of fact we're about to study the entire book of Matthew we're shutting the doors right now listen carefully do not be drunk with wine in which there's excess, but keep on being filled in the Spirit. Now, Scripture is very clear, okay? So my junior year, high school, Holy Spirit speaks to me, and he says that I'm a sinner, that Jesus is not, and that Jesus paid the penalty for my sin. So I put my faith in that statement. Now the instant, the instant, that quick, that I did that, three things happened in my life. Number one, all of my sin was removed from my account. I'm blameless today. Secondly, into my account was placed the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So I am as holy as God because of Jesus. And as a result of those two things, because my sin's been removed and his righteousness has been placed on my account, in an instant, this quick, his Holy Spirit came into me. Now that's the teaching of the Scripture. It is a moment when I trust Christ at that moment, my sins removed, his righteousness is placed in my account, and his Holy Spirit comes in, and as we saw in Ephesians 1, his Holy Spirit is in there sealed until the day I die. That's a baptism in the Spirit. It occurs in a second that I believe what the Holy Spirit tells me about me and about Jesus. The Holy Spirit indwells me immediately. Now, but this says that the way that I redeem the days, I redeem the time because the days are evil, the way that I walk with wisdom so that I expose those people so they understand they need what I have, the way I do that, he says in this text, is to keep on being filled by the Holy Spirit. It is an everyday thing. Now, how do I do that? Now, I have two lectures I give to my students in my preaching class, so we're going to really capsulize this little thing today, okay? 
what I was taught growing up about being filled with the Spirit is not correct. I was taught that if you want to be filled with the Spirit, what you do is you pray hard, you read the Bible well, and you go to church and worship well. Now, the problem is those don't create filling with the Spirit. They only work if they are a consequence of being filled with the Spirit. The Bible says pray in the Spirit. It says those that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus said, if you want to know my word, my spirit will lead you into my word and direct you in all truth. So my ability to understand this book, my ability to worship well, and my ability to pray well is exclusively dependent on whether or not I am filled with the spirit that does not create my filling with the spirit. It's a consequence. So how am I filled with the Spirit? You have to do two things. I want you to remember two words today. You have to deny and rely. Now I want you to listen to Jesus. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want you to listen to what he says. Abide in me and I in you. John 15, just as the branch is not able to bear fruit unless it abides in the vine, thus you can't unless you abide in me. I'm the, bran- I'm, I'm the vine, you're the branches. The one who abides in me and I in him, this one shall bear much fruit because apart from me, you are not able to do even one thing. You can't live out the Christian life unless you are filled with spirit. So how does that occur? We're going to walk through Matthew here, okay? How can I ask this question? Who was the most obnoxious disciple? Come on. Peter. Probably our first Southern Baptist. Peter. He was obnoxious. So... It's interesting when you walk through Matthew and you see what Jesus does with him. Jesus walks on the water. So what does Peter do? Hey, Lord, can I come out there on the water? Jesus said, sure, come on out. So Peter gets out. He's doing well, a little dance. He's doing well. Peter and John go, look out, man. He looks down, starts to sink, to drown. Jesus picked him up, puts him in the boat, and rebukes him for not trusting him. So three things occur, okay? He is temporarily successful, has a catastrophic failure. And then a deep rebuke from Jesus. So we see him a second time. Caesarea Philippi. Great garden spot, gorgeous place in Israel. Mouthwaters of the Jordan, just beautiful. So Jesus is talking and he says, so who do people say I am? And they respond. He said, who do you think I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon. For Jonah, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. 
Five minutes later, Jesus says, now, let me tell you boys what that means. They're going to reject me and kill me. And then I'm going to come out of the grave. And Peter's response is, no, no, no. No, Lord. Now, let me be clear. If you say Lord, you can't say no in the same breath. Okay? No, Lord. Jesus whirls around and says, get behind me, Satan. You do not savor the things of God. So Peter is successful, catastrophic failure, and rebuke from Christ. Third time. It's the last night of his life. Jesus looks at the disciples, and he says, guys, tonight they're going to take me and every single one of you is going to deny you know me. Peter, Lord, I'm willing to go to prison and to die for you. Jesus, I think almost out of exasperation, looks at him and says, Peter, before the rooster crows in the morning, you will deny me three separate times. So, they come to get Jesus, big mob, tough guys. Peter pulls his sword out, cuts off Malchus's ear, probably aiming for the head and missed. Cuts his ear off. Jesus puts the ear back on, and they take Jesus off. And then, as the night wears on, darker, and darker spiritual forces surround Peter to where he three times denies Christ. The third time he curses so badly that the people standing there back away and go, you're right. Nobody would talk the way you talk and belong to Jesus. And the minute it happens, rooster crows. Bible actually says Peter looks up they're bringing Jesus out of the room where they've been beating him all night. They're taking him to Pilate. And the Bible makes a statement in Luke 22 that Jesus turns and looks at Peter and that Peter, their eyes meet, and he goes out and weeps bitterly. Third time. He's successful for a little while. Catastrophic failure and rebuke from Jesus Christ. John 21, post-resurrection. Peter's in Galilee, they're fishing. Jesus shows up, catches him. Peter, do you love me? Asks him that three times. Yes, sir, then feed my sheep. Never mentions the failure. Never brings it up. Why? Because Peter's finally learned his lesson. You can, for a little while, live for Christ. You can do these things right for a little while, but to really consistently live for Jesus and not be a catastrophic failure, the Spirit of God has got to be in control of your life. And what does it say in Acts 2? 
He preaches, right? 3,000 people are saved. And what does it say about him? He was filled with the Spirit of God, which he never would have been if Jesus had not brought him to a point where he denied his ability to live out the Christian life and he would now rely on the Holy Spirit to be able to do it. So if you and I are going to really expose darkness and we're going to live the kind of life where they look at us and go, man, I wish I had that. And we redeem the time we've got in the calling we've got because the days are evil and they're pulling them back into darkness and our job is to expose so they come to Christ. And we're going to be filled with the Spirit. What will happen next? Verse 19, speaking in one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Listen, when he fills us, Now listen, and you come into this building, if he fills you, your worship will be heart-based, not style-based. It will not matter what song, style you sing, because all that matters is the Savior you sing to and about. And when the style of worship is more important to us than our Savior, we have lost our understanding of real worship because we are filled with ourselves, not the Spirit of God. And when we come in here and we worship well together because we're filled with the Spirit and then we give thanks always by on behalf of everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God and the Father. And the result of this worship is we thank God for who he is and what he's done in our life. When I'm filled with the Spirit in a way that I walk wisely, we expose that darkness, not because we're jerks, not because we're mean, but because they need to see what we have is better than what they have. And we live that out, and we're filled with the Spirit, and they step in this room, and we worship Jesus with our heart, and we are grateful to God, no matter what we face. We will redeem the time he has given to us to expose and win people back to the glory of Jesus Christ. Young men in my church in Bryan loved him. Brandon, in his 30s, now living at home with his parents, blind. I can't remember he's blind from birth or something happened, but he's blind. So someone asked him one day in the church, they said, Do you wish you had your sight back? He had an interesting response. He said, No. I see Jesus better than y'all do sometimes. Can't have that unless you're filled with the Spirit of God. You're not going to be filled by coming to church, reading your Bible and praying. You will be filled so you can come to church, worship, pray, and understand the Scripture.
And it's time to maybe as a church deny and rely. Let's pray. Father, again, thank you for your word, its integrity, its clarity, its honesty. And bring us all to the place where we are redeemers of the time you've given us in this world to show off your glory. Honor us in that. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org.